to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I wasn't only second. Everything else came before me and I couldn't understand why his friends got his time. Um, his work got so much effort. Everything in his life got so much effort and time, but I was always put aside Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live, and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. I pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. Last week, we spoke to Elliot. It was actually his wife who reached out to us about his story. And I feel it's really important to share both sides of this one. Tamara shares what it's been like living with a gambling addict for so long, hoping things would change. This is her story. Welcome to The Deep. Thank you for having me. In our last episode, we spoke to your partner who is a gambling addict. You were, in fact, the one that put your hand up to share your story and and I asked you if we'd get to speak to both of you and here we are. How are you feeling about sharing this after his, you know, episode? It's pretty intense Yeah, it's really personal. I haven't, like not many people know the whole story. My mum knows a lot. One of my best friends knows a lot, but they don't know everything. Mm. I kind of choose how to tell certain stories to get give them the gist but not the whole story. So it's like it's kind of like I'm saying it for the first time. You met him as an addict. At what point did you know for the first time this is a problem? Um, I never noticed anything wrong because everyone that I was around always had a bet or went to the races. Um, People in their 20s didn't have a lot of money, so no red flags happened. It wasn't until about five months in we wanted to go overseas and I found some cheap um, Hawaii 
flights and I rang him I'm like let's do it 300 bucks like one way and he kept like putting it off and I'm just like why is he putting it off and then I started doubting myself in our relationship and I mentioned I came back to his house and his mum and sister were there and I mentioned it and they kind of were like oh and they were actually the ones that told me that he's got um he's got credit card debt and he has a problem with gambling and my reaction was they're overreacting like calm down <laughs> how bad can it be and so they were really worried about me getting these flights and so obviously I never booked them and then it all kind of came out after that how do you go from your overreacting to holy shit no this is a real problem um it wasn't until he when I confronted him really casually about it cuz I still didn't really think they were like I thought they were overreacting when he kind of pulled the covers up over his head in the bed and he was crying but he still wouldn't say anything I was like oh it's a problem but I didn't know how big of a problem I thought it was just oh no try try not to gamble like we'll fix it it's, it I didn't know the magnitude of what a gambling addiction was yeah it took time to see things unfold and when I was like oh my god this is like a full-on addiction yeah it's hard like I was saying to him yesterday to wrap your head around gambling addiction. Like we understand, I think, alcohol addiction and we understand sex addiction and we understand food addiction. And I think uh, most people can get it because there is um, pleasure or there's something satiating about that and we want more and more and more addicts do. But gambling is so interesting. You know, it's it feels different. And the way in which he was explaining it was like it's a skill thing. It's a feeling good because you're right and you're a winner kind of thing. And that's a personal thing. Like some people don't care about being right. Some people don't care if they're a winner or a lo- not a loser. But do you, like people, some people don't care. I don't care about that stuff. So it's really hard to get into the headspace of that. And I think he explained that really beautifully of what that entails. Did you, were you like me where you're like, I don't actually get it? Or were you like, oh no, okay, his personality type, that makes sense? Initially, I didn't really get it. I was like, I was, I was always like, he knows the consequences. Why does he keep doing this? Why does he keep spending all his money when he knows how shit he's going to feel, how bad everything, like the debts are going to get big. I just didn't get the addiction to it. Like why couldn't he just stop? Um, but when I seen certain things happen and seen him like react certain ways and be really depressed, I was like, oh, my God, this is like an addiction. It doesn't matter if it's gambling or alcohol. It's all the same thing. Mm-hmm those thought processes dominating the second he wakes up, you know, that hunger, that um, need to lie and betray to whatever extent to get his next bet, you know, all Mm -hmm. of that is, um, it's so overwhelming. 
it, it, did you notice you've been together for so long or was that just the person you fell in love with? Did he seem distracted? Did he seem avoidant? Did he seem, or, you know, evasive? Because I found out so early on five months in, we were still in the guest honeymoon phase. So it was exciting. He was energetic. He wanted to go and do things. But as time went on, um, I guess he, his mask would come down. And that's when I'd notice the behaviours of the addiction. And, and I always thought it was him. That's just who he is. He's lazy or he's um, inconsiderate. He's selfish. And it's not until now that he's not gambling. I'm like, oh, that was the gambling addict. And then, but it wasn't you. That's what our counsellor always says. It's not them. They've got like a, a cloud on top of them. But it's, it's hard to distinguish between the person and the addiction. Yes. And it's also hard to be second to an addiction and to not be a priority and to be second place. Has that been something that you have just made peace with or well, that's painful? I can't imagine what that would feel like can you explain that I wasn't only second everything else came before me and I couldn't understand why his friends got his time um, his work got so much effort everything in his life got so much effort and time but I was always put aside and for years like it took so long I just kind of accepted it because that's I knew he was an addict, and but then I was like, but why can you do this with his friends but he can't go out with me? Or why can he spend this money on a festival but he can't go to dinner with me? Mm. And what we've since discovered is I was or am the emotional trigger and I know everything. His friends don't know that side of him, so he could escape with his friends. He could escape and bury himself in work. People didn't know but with me, I, I knew if he was lying, I, well, eventually. And so he, will, he would avoid time with me to just mm. pretend it wasn't happening. That makes sense. Have you witnessed a rock bottom? There was a time he had saved some cash money for a ute, his first ute. It was secondhand. And we're going to pick it up. And a day or so before he stopped, he, just to ref, like explain, he's got a, an addictive personality. So he goes through like phases of obsession. So this particular obsession was getting his ute, fixing up at the ute, paying for the ute, getting the ute. And for like two days before he stopped talking about it, I'm like, why isn't he talking about it? Like what time are we getting it? Like we're all excited. Like he's getting his first ute. He saved money. Oh, his parents, his parents were paying for it, sorry, paying for a ute for him and had transferred the money. And then he just stopped talking about the ute. We're like, we're picking it up, we're meant to be picking it up. And then um, he didn't come home from work one day. And we're like, I just knew his behaviour. I'm like, he's run away. And we found him not far from his parents' house, like obviously crying 
And he gambled all the money that they were going to pay for his first ute. And he was avoiding everyone because he was trying to, like, either win the money back or, yeah, and so I didn't see him. His dad did. And then so that particular time I was like, oh, my God, there's no way he'll, he'll keep going now. He's, he's going to learn his lesson. Like, how could he do that to his family? And so him as a person when he goes through something like that is he shuts down. He avoids talking. Um, you sort of leave him alone. He can't really articulate anything. He's just like a mute. Mm. He said he has stolen from you, his parents, shoplifted, in any ways necessary. Mm-hmm. How do you trust him? Oh, for so long I didn't. I didn't trust him with $20. I didn't tr- I had to move my coin collection. I had like this cute little box that I bought from a market. And I and I ended up he stole from it. It was like, I don't know, $50 worth of coins. And I came home one weekend from being away and it was gone. So, like, I I, th- I think I still have it. I, st- I have money in my drawer that I put my coins in. Um, everything he said, you'd question. I'd never believe a word he said. To begin with, I did. But towards the end, every I just, de- default was this is a lie. How is that then living with someone sharing rent, sharing utilities, buying furniture, taking responsibility. What happens? Where's his, like, do you just end up funding everything? How does this work? We tried a few different ways. We got him, we got share a joint bank account. And then I changed the passwords. So the money was going in and then I would give him an allowance and I would keep the rest for bills or whatever and I'd try and keep some for him to save. Essentially I was like taking care of his finances. Mm-hmm. That would be fine for like a week or two or a month. And then all of a sudden I'd go in to get the pay and the um, password had changed because with the bank, because it's him, he has the right to ring the bank, identify himself and change the password. Um, so then there'd be weeks and days of arguing and what about my money and stressing and I'll get it to you, I'll get it to you. And um, and then in those times when I'd have to pay for him, I felt like I was like, yes, I've got one up on him. He's going to be my best friend and get me the money back. So I'll do it knowing that he'll feel bad, like that was the only way I could survive it. Someone smart would be like, done, you're out, see you later. If you can't pay your rent, you can't live here. But I was too much in fix-it mode and, yeah. Because I said that to him yesterday. I said it's extraordinary to have someone stick around. You know, at such a young age, so much life ahead of her, 
you know, with the constancy of the addiction, it's a lot for someone to stay. And he spoke a bit about your family unit and how loving they are and how much he loves them and you're so loving. And I was like, I just wonder what makes somebody stay, you know, because there's love. Sure. I absolutely believe that, but there's also an element of like boundaries, you know, and self-worth that are like, I am not, I love you, but I love myself more, you know, that kind of thing. So did that come from something from somewhere? What, where, where is that born from? I always think about this because I think I have a weird attachment style. I grew up really normal. My parents are still together. No one abandoned me. Um, went through school fine. Like nothing happened for me to, to hold on like to something. So when there'd be times where I'd be like, I have to leave, I have to leave. I could, I could say it, but I knew I wouldn't do it. So I, I could be so upset and you'd cross a line. I'm like, that's it. I know I have to go. You have to. I'd, I'd say it out loud like you have to leave. But like I know I wouldn't. So I could say anything I wanted. But, yeah, it's like I was a ta- it was a combination of having like that little bit of hope. What if I leave and he gets it together? And the other one was I'm too attached to leave. Oh, and, the, and then the other one was fearing for him. Right, because it does sound like there's some codependence here. You know, you just said before, I liked the feeling of paying for everything and having kind of control. Mm. He would have loved that too. You know, there's that codependence of needing someone to need you, I guess. When he, when I paid for something, like, good, I've got you to like, treat me right now you owe me yeah you owe me and he would he's my best friend until the next one happened he needed something else yeah it's it feels very um codependent like Mm -hmm. that cycle you know and there's something addictive about it there is on both sides you know that keeps you entrenched because I was wondering that I was like does she have issues with abandonment or her family or like what's keeping her there. And that's what's so fascinating about this, because for me, having addiction in my family, knowing how constant it is, even in recovery, you know, the reality of addiction and being with an addict, I find it fascinating the people that are in relationship with them because it is such a tangled thing to be a part of. It's never straight, you know, it's all, it's just, it's, it's unstable and you have to be okay with the instability, right? Like, you know, he is, and everyone listening to that last episode would have said he is so committed his recovery. He sound like eight months, he's strong, he's got this and he does, but life is long, you know, Mm. life is stressful. There, 
you know, maybe slips. I hope to God there isn't, but there may be. And being a partner of that, you know that and you commit to that. And I, I, yeah, I just wonder how, what part of you makes peace with that. Is it because you've been through what you believe is the worst already? Like how do you continue? Honestly, I haven't thought about him having a slip in a really long time. At the beginning or when he was, um, it was my fear every day. Uh, like I'd, I'd check his pockets for tab tickets. I'd um, work out like numbers and what doesn't make sense. And like I was living in fear all the time trying to catch him out. Now that you mention it, like that relapse is always, I know it's always a um, like a possibility, but the way he has, he, like he's a different person now and I honestly haven't thought about it. So if he came home today and said I had a slip, I'd be like, oh, that's right. I forgot. Like that's a possibility. Wow. So it's not until you just said it. I was like, yeah, right. It's still a possibility he could slip. And it might not be for 20 years. You know, Mm. it might not be for 40 years. It might Mm. not ever happen. But I guess that's always the thing. I I mean, I guess for me through a different lens, it's always a, a possibility. And I love that for you. I love that you are just in the present you know, and maybe that is the only way to be and the best way to be in this circumstance. Because he has tried before, like he, he's gone months, maybe two months before without it, and I was in fear then. I was like, oh, my God, what if it happens again? What if it happens again? And it did, and then everything would crumble down and I'd be really upset and, oh, God, here we go again. Um, but, yeah, I'm just honestly the last few months I haven't thought about <laughs> that as a possibility until it happens. Do you have systems set up right now to protect both of yourselves? Financially? Yeah. We have, we've always had separate money. The only, when we had the joint bank accounts, that was purely his pay going in, not mine. That was just for me to control it. <gasps> okay. Yeah. We've never shared money. So yeah. And that stopped? Yeah. He transfers me. Every week, I don't even ask anymore. Oh, he – okay, so it's just – it's its own system now. It's not you asking for the separate bank account. No. Got it. Do you feel is there levels of trauma residue if he doesn't answer his phone or if he doesn't come home or if he, I don't know, sports on the TV or there's the Melbourne Cup comes up? Like do you feel triggered there has been times, um, like for example, he he bought, I bought something for him, and I want the money straight away to prove that like he has the money and he didn't just use it for gambling or whatever. That's happened like a couple of times, and he's transferred it within like a day or two, and I can relax. Um, Melbourne Cup. I thought about him, but because he has this really specific way of in his recovery, he doesn't like anyone talking about it too much. I didn't say too much, but he was on my mind and it was like kind of in the back of my mind, but I didn't think too much about it. Um, 
I worry sometimes, or not so much now, but when it, he first started recovering, I worried when he'd go to the pub on a Friday night and everyone's, like, putting on bets. Um, but but towards the end of when it was really bad, I kind of, like, stepped back. I used to, like, try and work out how much he gambled, what did he lie about, and then my counsellor taught me. She goes, it doesn't matter what he did. You know he did it. You don't have to ask you know. So I learned to just step back and just know that he did it. So I think with the triggers now, there's nothing I can do except internally worry a little bit, but like, that's all I can do. I can't really. Wow. Yeah. So you, you know, you're powerless over this addiction. Like there's nothing that you could do in your day to day to let it go. Yeah, I just learned over a long, long time to just, there's nothing I can do. He's going to either do it or he won't. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Do and I'm assuming it's a yes, you see a future with him, like a long-term father of your children life. Yes. I don't know if I want kids, so that's never really on my mind. But in terms of being together, yes. But then when you say that, I'm like, but then there's all these addiction things that's going to come with it. So it's it's a yes, but it's also a Caution. What is it? A caution, yes. Because he wants children. Yeah. Right. He wants children and he we, he believes this is genetic. His grandfather, great-grandfather, and it's a bit like if that's true, and we don't know if that's true, but that's – that's, you know, it, 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 he said it will shift the way he raises his children, you know, because he was obviously um, surrounded by this from such an early age. It's, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting perspective, you know, to think about. Is it ge- generational trauma? Is that what you call it? Mm-hmm. I know that his grandfather had addiction but back in those days people just got away with their behavior um so if we were to ever have kids I guess it'd be in the back of my mind but yeah I would hope that he'd learn from his mistakes and I guess put things in place early but then again if someone's got an addictive personality yeah, I think it'd be worse if your child went through it. Right. And and how I mean the devastation to his family, you know, and the impact financially to them. 
has been extraordinary, extraordinary. And um, have you ever spoken to them about that or shared your, yeah, your experience? Yeah, we were always each other's teammates. We confided in each other. Um, if he was asking his mum for money, she'd text me and I'd be like, don't, it's a lie. Um, but because they live in another state, they were kind of, they knew it was the problem was still continuing because you can't see it and hear it and he's not openly telling them. They can only think so much. So I was seeing it for what it, everything, how bad it was. And so when I'd find out his parents would give him money, I'd be like, no, please don't give him money. Oh, sorry. He said he needed this and his car broke down. And I'd be like, like, please promise me you won't give him money. Like they, because it's his son, their son, they just took his word for it and just hoped that he was telling the truth. And so they'd get pulled in and the money would come out and I'd find things out and I'd just call and text him and be like, please, you're like, I know you're not meaning to, but you're enabling his addiction. Totally, totally. It's also like I've been in the situation where people have gambling addictions and have asked, you know, for money and it's the most icky thing ever because you know they're gambling you know that if they're reaching out to you they're at the bottom of the barrel this has gotten really bad they've used and abused every other person in their circle have you felt that from your peers that they have been asked and that that has shifted their relationship with you both that's the funny thing they don't know none of my friends know about it some of his I don't know what friends of his know about it. If they do know, um, the ones that he's borrowed money off his friends, I don't know if he's been honest as to why, but I think it's hinted their friendship um, with owing money and, you know, this is the last time, like, yeah, yeah, I'll get it back to you. I don't know how much, if he's ever been honest now, Um but in terms of, yeah, my friends don't know. Okay. I think it's just really unique that he's so private and so non-communicative but then agrees to come on the podcast. Like it's quite wild. And he said that he agreed to you kind of on a whim and then you followed him up. <laughs> he was like, okay, fuck, it's happening. Um, are you shocked that he agreed to come on? Yeah, when he first, when I first asked him just off the cuff, I was like, oh, would you, well, I just told, about, told him about your podcast and I listened to it and what you talk about. And he was like, oh, yeah. And I was sort of like, Really? And then I immediately, because he was so, like, cool about it, I was like, you won't be triggered talking about it? And he's like, no. And he's like, just so casual. And I'm like, okay. And then um, I kept checking in. I'm like, if you feel like you're going to be triggered, maybe you shouldn't do it. He's like, no, I'm sweet. And he's just like, I'm sweet, I'm cool, whatever. And I was just like, okay. So, yeah, I was very surprised. How was he then after the interview? Exactly the same, so casual, like, 
what are we doing for dinner? <laughs> I was like, what did she say? Did you, did you say things you've never said? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, do you feel okay? He's like, yeah. I'm just chilling out. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> this is so weird. Like, I was just always worried he'd be so triggered talking about it. But he sees the counsellor every week. So maybe that's helping him talk. Are you anxious to listen to it, his one? Mm, no, because I feel like I know a lot of it and I don't know if anything would surprise me, but then again, maybe there's some things that might surprise me. Um, Do you think this has been healing for both of you? I think so. I think... Um, the fact that he can talk about it in another, like in another different perspective and look back at the person he was and talk about him not now, like he's not masking it or um, lying. He's talking about really open about what he used to do and be and I think that's good for him and, yeah, good for me to... I guess, say it out loud. <laughs> Are you scared about the future? Um, if I really think about it sometimes, um, day to day, no. Just going about our lives and, like, life is so normal now. Like, I'm experiencing what it's like to be in a relationship with, quote, unquote, like a normal person. I don't have to hide my cash or so, but um, I guess if I really, really think about it or if something happens on TV or in a movie, I'm like, oh, that could happen to us again or, yeah, I just, I guess I just try not to think about, like I'm, a, I'm an overthinker so I'm trying to just not think too much <laughs> about it. Is there anything that we've missed that you want to add to this? I guess the ins and out of being with an, an addict is, like, I don't tell people because I'm, I'm scared for one, they'll judge him and then they'll judge me for staying because some of the stuff he's done and said is so bad. You'd think, like, what the hell, why would you ever stay? And so I guess it's like don't um, – with a gambling addiction, it's it's just like another addiction. It's not just because everyone does it for fun and it's out there and it's advertised. The behaviours are the same. What is, do you think, the worst thing he's done and said? Oh, God, I should have a list. Um, just one, just what you think's the worst. I don't have your support. He'd say to me, like, you're not supportive at all. You're not a good partner to me. And I just feel like, and maybe the worst thing he's done. I don't know if it's the worst thing, but like there's been a few, but the one that comes to mind is every year he goes home for Christmas and he had access to the joint bank account and we had both saved um, like $1,500 
and he left that morning at 4am and drove up and we're talking on the phone and then I just checked the account and it was all gone and I just went all right I'm just not going to text him and we didn't talk he knew that I knew because I didn't he didn't hear from me and I spent that Christmas not telling anyone and it was just on my mind for four weeks and I just kept talking like I was talking myself into it like all right this has got to change this is the line in the sand um how long did it take you to save that oh a long time because we weren't putting too much in there weekly. Maybe like a couple of months. Yeah. Four months or something. That's hard. And so I would usually react. I would send a novel message. I'd tell him how I felt, how much he upset me. And I just literally went, I don't need to do anything. I'm just going to not talk. And I think he messaged me Christmas Day saying, Happy Christmas. And I just said it back. Um, and yeah, I just didn't tell anyone. Hmm. Do you think anyone you know will hear this or will you send this to anyone for them to hopefully understand what you have been going through? Hmm. It's a weird thought. If something bad happens to our relationship and it's either he has a relapse or something completely different and we do break up, um, or if it's gambling related and we break up and everyone's like, why'd you break up? Why'd you break up? You were so good together. You were so, you were like best friends. I'll play the episode and I'll be like, that's why. Mm. Because on the outside, not now, but when he was going through it all, Everyone was just used to, oh, we love Elliot. He's so nice and you're so good together. Oh, this and that, this and that. And I'll just be sitting there like, oh, my God, shut up. <laughs> if only you knew. Yeah. I think it's been really, it's been eye-opening having this conversation with you and him and really getting into the mind, especially if someone's so young you know, and has been an addict for so much of his life and the impacts of that on the people around him and what it is like for you, but just such an interesting perspective that you have on this situation as well. I think it's really incredible that you've both come forward to share something so personal, you know, when you are both so closed in your community it's a rare it's a rare thing to do and we honestly appreciate it and i know that there are so many people whether it's gambling or a different addiction that are going to get it you know have you started going to meetings alanon or things like that no i my the council suggested that i did and i like i looked into it but um no i i went on gambling online forums and with friends and family and like I'd get a few replies about but everyone everyone was going through the same thing I was like yeah okay it's not just me 
he said that um, the response you got was leave all the time on those forums, just run. Yeah. Get out now. And I and I, I actually came to the conclusion when it was at its worst, I was like, he's always going to be like this. It's just a matter of time of when I leave. And wow. I just had this like, I'm going to leave one day. It's not now, it's not next year, but I know I'm going to leave. I just need to get the guts to do it. Um, yeah. Is that still how you feel? No. No. Not, not, no. Because of where he's at in his recovery? Yeah, he's, he's just got this routine and, like, you don't mess with the routine. <laughs> like, he's up at 4. If he goes to bed at, like, 6.37, um, he doesn't watch TV really. He can't watch the news. Like, he can't have any negative news on the TV. And I'm just really mindful to just let him do what he needs to do. Um, yeah, and he's, like, more excited about things and has plans and um, wants to tell me about, like, things that he's found or things that he's bought. Um, yeah. So there's hope. Yeah. God, the person was a year ago. Yeah. I actually was cleaning my kitchen today and I found a notepad on the kitchen cupboard and it was his goals and how he was feeling like 2020 and I read it and it was like pay off this debt stop gambling go to the gym sign up for boxing I was like oh my god he's done it all Mm. did you show him no he's not home yet I just put it I'm like should I Telling that I read it because I found it accidentally. Like it's on top of the cupboards that you'd never look. Um, and like, yeah, it just explained like how he was feeling so depressed and sad and he wants to beat it. And I was just like, oh, my God, he had. Well, knowing that relapse can always happen, but like he has. Yeah, he's in a good place. Yeah. <sighs> Who are are you when no one's watching? Now or back then? Either. Back then, I was so sad. I don't want to cry. Yeah, I'd just lay on my bed and stare out the window. I'd just be like, I have to leave. And then I'd get a phone call from my mum or a friend. I'd go, hey. And I'd just have my cry and just, that was me when no one was watching. But now, um, I don't know, it's completely different. It feels like there's a lot of healing. Like you're so hopeful and you're so happy and you're just in the present and holding on to this goodness but it feels like there's so much healing underneath that such an acknowledgement of the trauma that occurred, you know, the betrayals that occurred underneath it, you know, the wound Mm. is still there. Mm. And it's interesting for me because 
like I know I'm not a normal human. I talk about everything immediately. I have to know it all. I have to feel it all. You have to look me in the eyes. We have to fucking deal with it. I know I'm not normal in that way. And that most people cry in their beds and suck it up and get on the phone and just move. Like that's, I think, the the majority of human beings. But knowing that what do you do? Do you just continue the therapy and continue to dismantle this slowly? Do you think about going to therapy together? Do you, how do you mend the wounds? Um, I'm thinking of going to see a counsellor by myself just so I can, because he's so far past it. Like, He's in such a good place, and but sometimes I want to talk about it, or something will come up, and he's just like in a different place. And I don't want to not bombard him with like the past. So, like, if there's maybe I could just I've got a best friend that I confide in a lot, and he's really he's my hairdresser and gay best friend. So, he his mum actually had a gambling addiction, it was really, oh. really weird when I told him. I was like, I have to tell you something. And then when I told him, he's like, that's so weird. My mum had one too. I was like, oh, my God, I was meant to tell you then. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think, yeah, seeing a counsellor by myself, I journal a lot. I write everything down. I've got them everywhere. I've got, like, books and notes in my phone, drafted emails. Whenever I feel something, I just write it all down. This is a process. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Thank you so much for (laughs) offering up your stories, for encouraging or inviting him to share his, um, and for being such a beautiful listener of the deep. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I love the um, podcast. I always listen to it. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's The Deep. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hi everybody, it is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. 
During 16 of the Deep, you'll hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.